Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Hands Podcast. Today, we are so excited to have Brennan Schlagbaum, who is the owner of Budget Dog. Welcome. Hi, Leslie. How you doing? I am good. It's so great. You are the first CPA that I am talking to on the podcast. I better live up to expectation then. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. But you know, I'm not um, the typical CPA you're probably used to. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, when you th- and so guys, you guys that are listening, when you think CPA, what do you think of? Just imagine that for a second. <laughs> I have some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, right here in front of us, we have a young guy, you know, um, very polished, and his Instagram is lit. So before I, I know we're going to talk about that later, but his Instagram is called Budget Dog. You guys should totally give him a follow. Some great tips there. So, you know, Brennan, so again, thank you. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, your background, you know, what got you even interested in being a CPA in the first place? Yeah, so back in high school, we had some electives that we could take to kind of like plan for the future and like in college and stuff. Because when you're 18 years old, you're, you know, even 16, dating back to like freshman year, sophomore year, it's almost impossible to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And so at least we had the, some electives, you know, econ class, uh, you know, person, there was a personal finance class and stuff like that, that kind of gave us an idea in a nutshell of like, Hey, this might be a decent path for you. Right. So I took the accounting class with no idea of like what it really was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked it, you know, it was okay. Um, and so I got into college, and I still didn't know what I was going to do. And so I, I kind of declared myself as a general business major, per se. And I was like, I could be a, I could go the accounting route, I could go finance, I could go econ, even CIS, which is like computer yeah. information systems. And I kind of like kind of explored all of those the first year or so. And then I was like, okay, so I want to actually take this up to think about, I don't want to actually be an accountant. And so a lot of people see CPA, and they think, you know, that's a certified public accountant, you are locked into that field. Mm-hmm. So that's actually not the case. And that's actually not the, the route I took. So I did an accounting degree and I also did a fa- finance degree. So mm-hmm. I combined the two and I did a double major and I got my CPA because of the qualification that it kind of sells to the general, I guess you could say business world. Yeah. And so with that, I was like, okay, I'm going to work for Deloitte, which is um, a big four CPA firm. Yep, and yep. with that, I could do, you know, qualified, um, you know, companies and I could look into corporation and financial statements and stuff. But I didn't have to necessarily lock in on the accounting side of things Mm because I was in the audit side, right? And so it's more so like a consulting role. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're with clients, you're engaging with clients all the time. And it's a finance and accounting mix. But with the CPA certification, that kind of gives me more credibility for that next move in the the field. And so that's kind of where I, how I ended up here. Wow, that's so cool. And so, you know, 
you have that background and you say it was, I think it's so interesting. You were like, you know, at 17, 18, you know, you don't know what you want to do with your life. However, one of the things I like about you is that you're a stable dude. You've been with the same woman for a very long, long time. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I love that. Yes. Yes. She's been with, we've been together since uh, six, I was like 17, 16 years old. Yeah. yeah. That's so great. And I love that you're 31 now. I'm only 29. 29, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. you're a millionaire goal 35. <laughs> just kidding, got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. A few years away. <laughs> a few years, sorry, my bad, my bad. Yeah. Not trying to put you in my class of 30 <laughs> club. Not yet, not yet. Yeah, don't um, do that. <laughs> exactly, but I, I find that very nice because, you know, it's interesting, you know, they had done a study of um, you know, many of the top millionaires in the United States, and one of the characteristics they share is that loyalty factor. You know, they're with the same partner for a very long time. They don't switch companies, you know, or they've done it, they only switch companies a couple times. So that loyalty factor, I, I really admire about you. And I think that's super cool. Well, I'm a Browns fan, so I have to be loyal. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. You're getting into territory. I'm like, give me gymnastics, tumbling, something. You're getting into territory I don't know about. <laughs> so, you know, so my question to you, I know that you've been working with these big financial firms and everything, um, accounting firms. So at what point in your life did you know that you were going to do something to change the financial lives of people around the world? At what point did that come into your head? I would say like three or four years ago when we went through our own journey. So for my, on my professional side of things, I do, I look at the corporations and financial statements of those corporations. And those could be like fortune 500 companies and big, big name companies, but it doesn't have to do with personal finance. And so people see CPA, they think I'm, I do personal finance on, you know, regularly. I really don't. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to take the things I learned in the business world and apply them to the personal world. And so when we went through our whole entire story, background story, in a nutshell, is we paid off a lot of debt in one year, $76,000. Wow. And so we realized, hey, we were able to do that because of the things that we had in place. We had, you know, a balance sheet, which most personal finance people don't understand. It's the, how you track your net worth. People yeah. just think budget. So yeah. we had a balance sheet, a budget, um, a debt payoff calculator that I have is basically an amortization schedule, right? And so we could track out and li list what was going on. Yes. And so when we did that, I was like, why are we not helping more people do this? Because like mm -hmm. I had a passion to do it. Um, I was doing it with my friends and family on a local level, mm -hmm. but I was like, this is fun one. And two, I'm helping a ton of people. Why not create a business out of this? Like why, why would it, what, what's stopping me from doing so? And I was like, well, how do I reach more people? Instagram, social media, mm -hmm. Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to dive in. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I started this thing. My Instagram was horrible. <laughs> the first like five, six months, like probably I had maybe a thousand followers. Like my content was garbage. <laughs> it was a learning process kind of yeah. thing. And so that's what I say to a lot of business owners that who are just starting, just jump in, dive in, and you'll figure it out along the way. Like I've been at it for two years when mm -hmm. I was the first a year and a year, probably 12, even 14 months. I had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to learn. I was trying to pick up different things. Mm -hmm. And now I would say I got it pretty down, you know, well, like, you know, a lot of, I'm growing fast. Mm -hmm. uh, people are liking my content, my page. I'm putting out what, I, what people are looking for and stuff like that and being able to convey the message in a better way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'd say like that journey really took me into this whole process of helping other people. Yeah. Um, which was like four years ago when that happened. And now, 
I have clients. I work with clients all the time. I do one-on-one consultations. I just got off a consultation after this call. I have another one. So yes. um, it's nonstop, but yeah, that's, that's kind of a, the, the backstory behind that. That's so great. And you know, something, and I, and I, and I really like the fact that, you know, it, I think as business owners, you know, sometimes it's very hard to separate, especially when you're a sole proprietor or a small LLC, separate the business side from your from your personal finances. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, for you, um, what would you say for you know a med spa owner who's looking to kind of understand how to separate that business side of their finances from the personal side of their finances? Yeah. So actually, this is a good question you have because when I first started, I just commingled everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making some money from the business side, but it was going direct, direct to my my regular bank account when I would make money on my sales, my products and services and stuff. And I was like, this is out overwhelming. And so I actually got QuickBooks in the beginning of this year. Um, and so I totally separated that. I created an LLC. Um, I'm filed as an S Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the, the QuickBooks running. So I have my own business bank account. Mm-hmm. Everything's flowing through that and then tracking in my QuickBooks so I can kind of like run reports and track different things. Mm-hmm. But in December, before I did that, I had like, I mean, I want to say there were a thousand transactions I was accounting for <laughs> in my personal side of things, in my personal bank. And as a, oh, no. when I do my budget, I yeah. do it all manually. So yeah. I was manually entering that. I was like, I'm done with this. I got to move it over. First off, the income increased substantially as to where I can't like commingle. I got to separate. Yeah. Um, and so getting QuickBooks, getting those kind of things are mm-hmm. like keeping it separate is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. I still think that you plan it out kind of the sim- in a similar fashion, right? Like mm-hmm. on your personal side of things, you want to um, do the budget, do the balance sheet, all that kind of stuff. But you also want to do the same thing on your business side. Like yeah. you want to plan for your the next month. Mm-hmm. What expenses are coming in? What what income's coming in? Do you expect if it's obviously highly um, you know commission based? That's okay, mm-hmm. but just kind of plan that out and walk through that those budgeting steps you would with your personal side. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. And you know, so I know that you know you're big into like investments and things. And I know you know many business owners they don't think about investing for themselves, or they're just thinking about you know putting money back into the business, putting money back into the business. But you know, I think some of um, you know the business owners, you know, we forget that there's going to come a time <laughs> when we're either going to have to one sell the business, or if we're like you know the one that's really trading time for dollars, we're not going to be able to do that anymore because of age and ability that you know just getting arthritis or whatever you know, thinking of an injector. So, you know, when someone is, uh, I hear the budget dog. (laughs) The budget dog's going crazy out there. (laughs) So The the little one is too. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's so great. I love it. So yeah, so, you know, with the investing side and everything, you know, at what point do you think a business owner should be, you know, looking into investment accounts and things beyond, you know, just banking on the fact that they could possibly sell their business in 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So I think, again, it comes down to personal and business is the same thing. Like when it comes to you just treat it differently. There's two different entities, right? There's two different people, essentially. And that's what I always say. Like I bring in the business side to the personal lot because of this gets treated the same way. But I think that it's very important to reinvest, right? And so think of like Amazon, right? When back in 1999, when Bezos was sitting in his like garage or whatever that was, like he was reinvesting every single dollar into his business at that point. So early stage investing, you probably aren't going to be taking a ton of money from your personal business, depending on if you're working nine to five on top of this. But if it's your full-time business, mm-hmm. 
you need to be reinvesting that money into the business at least early on. And so there are, you know, in my, in my situation, I have a free business, right? There's not many expenses that go into it, right? It's Instagram. It's a free platform, all that kind of stuff. So depending on what type of business you have, it depends how much reinvestment money you put in. But if you are able to transfer that money and put it into an investment account, that's going to grow 10% for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to do. And so I preach low cost index funds all the time. Yeah. Through Mm -hmm. IRAs, taxable brokerage accounts, SEP IRAs, especially for a small business owner, they could do a solo 401k or SEP IRA where they use that to their advantage and put those investments and index funds within those accounts Mm -hmm. and let it ride for 20, 30 years to where you aren't going to be having to work if you don't want to, or if you can't. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, um, that kind of leads to my next question. Cause I think that's, you know, really important too, you know, um, and so according to the modern retirement theory, um, you know, espoused by, you know, financial planner, Jason Branning and the academic, um, M. Ray Grubbs, they, they talk about funding priorities for when, you know, when you work because you want to, not because you have to <laughs> funding <laughs> priorities. So they say, you know, the basis for the retirement fund, you know, the funding is essential for essential needs. And then the next, tear of that house is the contingency fund then the next fund you know on that is the discretionary expenses and then you know the top of the house the uh you know the roof is you know a legacy fund so you know my question to you like you know how do you think this theory stacks up you know and how do you think debt factors into that equation as well yeah so I'm a big, I, I love being debt free. Like I, that's one of the big things I talk about a lot. Like a lot of people are like, what's the interest rates lower? I want to go get, you know, invest instead of pay off this debt. Mm-hmm. My take is if you aren't paying off the debt, there's something that's pulling you back all the time, even if you're trying to get forward. And so mm-hmm. like, that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong to think another way, but like, mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's easier for somebody. So as you're going up the, you know, the house, I guess you could say, it's better for you to, I think, take care of each step along the way. Like if you are not taking care of all that kind of, all the things along the way, you get to the top in the, the bottom's a little faulty and all of a sudden everything collapses. Mm-hmm. And that's what that in, and, and so I, I think it's really important for people to realize like do one step at a time, focus on whatever goal that is at that given time and just mm-hmm. do it and get it done. Make sure the foundation's set and then start to build your way up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, and and further, you know, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that people make about money and and debt management and, you know, and, and, and like how that aligns with their values? Do you think people are out here acting very irrationally? Like, tell me more what you think about, about that. Yeah, there's a lot of like misconceptions with money. First off, a budget is restrictive. It's very common. Like people mm-hmm. like my parents are like, is that in your budget? Is that in your budget? Like my <laughs> friends would say that. I'm like, that's not the point of the budget. And, and the fact that you're asking me that question shows that you don't understand. You're not using that as a tool that you should be. Yeah. Like I make the case that Jeff Bezos should make use a budget because he is, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It just tells you where your money's going, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions with money. I think another thing is like a lot of people look like a poor mindset in general. It's not necessarily that you're, you have no money, but I think mm-hmm. there's a poor mindset that people that are rich and wealthy are selfish and greedy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely like just incorrect, like fundamentally incorrect. Like there's a lot of people out there that make billions of dollars and they give back a ton of money, but yeah. because they don't give back a billion dollars, people assume that like, Oh, they have, 98 billion they should give 97 billion and be fine Mm -mm. it's like 
as a percentage, how much are you personally giving like to other people, right? Like yeah. the biblical, I guess you could say t- tithe is 10%. So yeah. if somebody has a hundred billion dollars and they give $1 billion they're or $10 billion, they're giving 10% away. Like mm-hmm. what's to say they need to be giving more than that? Like, mm-hmm. and so there's like a big misconception of like, Hey, because you have a lot of money, you need to give a lot back. And I believe I'm, I'm a big giver and stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. think you have to like necessarily like villain, like make people a villain if they have a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have to agree with you on, on that, you know, cause I, I, I'm a big believer. I don't believe in handouts. I believe yeah. you have to work hard for, you know, whatever you want to have in life. And 100%. I don't believe, you know, people, cause you know, someone has figured out how to scale their business and have, has figured out how to inspire people. And they've figured out how to give people jobs and affect the livelihood of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. That's and, what they don't talk about. Yeah. And they don't talk about that. And I'm just like, listen, I'm like, you know, if a person's not happy getting paid $20 an hour, I'm like, that's a choice. You can get some more skills while you're working there and then ascend to a different position if you don't like it. Well but said. it's a choice. Yes, it's a choice. That's well said. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of winding down here, but, you know, um, I definitely want to kind of touch upon your book. I know you wrote a really great book. And tell us about that book, why you wrote it, and how it helps people. Yeah, so it's investing one-on-one, everything the investor needs to know. So in a nutshell, that's what it is, right? It, it literally, somebody could pick this up. And I, I wrote it for that my little brother, who's 18 years old, could pick it up in college and say, mm-hmm. okay, I can go confidently go select my investments and feel mm-hmm. good about them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for the beginner investor, the intermediate investor, and even the more experienced investor. It needs to take a step back and realize like the fundamentals of investing are easy. Mm-hmm. Don't get complicated. Keep it easy. Keep it simple low cost index funds over a long period of time. Um, don't go try to like buy Bitcoin. I'm not saying Bitcoin's wrong or anything like that, but like, don't go like try to like buy the hot new stock or like the GameStop recently that's been like all in the news. <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. Like sure, you can make a little bit of money, but that's not real investing, right? Like yeah. GameStop to the moon's cool and all, but like <laughs> it's not going to make you like wealthy, right? Yeah. Um, sure, some people made... And, and, and the people that fight that are usually the ones like, well, that guy made $3 million. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. the other 5 million people lost money. Like, mm. So when it comes to investing one-on-one, it's very fundamental investing. It's everything you need to know. It's going to start with like a very, very easy example of a, um, a lawn care analogy so that people understand what the market terminology is. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of warms you up to the market and how easy this stuff actually is. And I kind of mm-hmm. dumb it down and make sure anybody can understand it. That's so great. And they can find that book on your website. On, on, on yes, your, all my socials. If you get all my socials, you go to link and buy bio and go to shop now and you'll find it in there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then my last question to you is, you know, what's your biggest piece of advice for, you know, a woman coming into the men's spot industry that has a lot of high, you know, overhead expenses and everything like the equipment, the fillers, it's a lot of money, you know, yeah. but you know, what do you think they should really focus on when they're creating their, spending plan and and balancing their personal and you know business priorities yeah so i'd say like especially in the beginning cut everything out that you really can like really skim the budget and it's not to be cheap but it's because you're just starting you have probably a little bit amount of capital to to deal with Mm -hmm. and that's that can be really expensive those overhead expenses can add up right i don't Mm -hmm. even deal with that myself because my business model Mm -hmm. but if you have that you have to be very aware of it and what's coming in what's coming out so if you have a budget and you say, hey, this month I'm going to make $10,000, mm-hmm. my overhead expenses are $8,000. Well, 
well, that $10,000 might all of a sudden be 7,000, but your 8,000 is pretty fixed because, mm-hmm. you know, your, your income might be um, fluctuating, but your expenses probably remain the same. So be mm-hmm. very careful with that early on mm-hmm. and make sure that you're not getting ahead of yourself and you're kind of over projecting and under over projecting income and under projecting expenses mm. to where you yourself in a bind and grow slow. Like don't go a hundred miles an hour right off the bat. Like make sure you can, ex- you know, month one, you're making legitimate money and it keeps going slowly up, but your expenses kind of stay the same, like flatline. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great advice. This is awesome. Well, Brennan, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast guys. Hey, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Find him on Budget Dog, right? Budget Dog and your website is what? Uh, so I don't have an official website. It's going to be budgetdog.com. I own the domain. It's not official, but go to yeah. any of my socials and you'll find me there. Okay, awesome. Well, you have a great rest of the day and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Leslie. Okay. Bye. Like what you heard? Please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.